We all know that cars mean traffic, errands, and budgets. But they should also represent freedom and fun. Join us as we work to find everyone a car they'll love. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Listening to the commentators on the Formula One race when uh, when Max won in Austria. Okay. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. this yeah, weekend, yeah. this last weekend. And uh, I discovered another word that I don't use from the main announcer, David Croft. And I okay. realize he's British. And I realize there's a disconnect between Americans, British, and the nomenclature that we use. The, yes. the language yes. that, that but we please use. Please tell me. But he actually used the word scuppered. Scuppered. He was talking about, I think it was Kevin Magnuson, and and one of his laps he went off and into the dirt, and so he obviously didn't get a good time lap yeah. out of it. And he said, "Oh, well, his lap was scuppered." And I thought, "Well, there's a word that's adding to the list of words I don't use." What's the official definition of scuppered? Did you look it up? I it it means it's no longer valid, and you're looking it up. I am looking it up. Yes. Meanwhile, I'm reading the list of words I don't use, including sweater, crippled, billfold, moist, flushable, and now scuppered. Don't okay. use these words. Uh, to sink a ship deliberately is the original original definition. I thought of that was scuttle. Well, here it's scuppered. Uh, hmm. So there's that. But it can also be to prevent from working or succeeding, or to thwart. Thwarted. So How I'm about, sure he was thwarted. I'm sure he was using it as an alternative to the word thwart. His 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 time <laughs> lap was thwarted. It was scuppered. Are we, yeah. Am I watching a play? Is this theater? Anyway. <laughs> it is theater. It's 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 <laughs> motorsports theater. theater. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. Speaking of theater and lack of theater, have you been reading about the fact that that the EU is talking about how electric cars are going to have engine noises? I think this is a perfect opportunity to now have that V12 sound you've always wanted to have. Yeah. Upshift yeah. and downshift. You can play it. You, mm -hmm. you can change from Aston Martin V12s to the Ferrari V12s. Well, there, yeah. You can, yeah there have been, choose. I think it was Renault. There have been, uh, there have been a, a couple of cars that when you went into the settings, they decided to embrace what BMW has done with, uh, you know, you got the engine noise enhanced and piped through the speakers, mm -hmm. but you could actually pick what you wanted your car to sound like. I forget which car it was. I think it was a Renault. That's but great. they actually had, you could pick things all the way up to like the GTR for your car to sound like, to you, by the way, not like everybody else, <laughs> but they had those sounds that come out of the speakers, so your car suddenly sounds really cool inside to you, which is the exact, <laughs> problem, I, the exact reverse problem I have with the Lancer. People tell me, that sounds awesome. Yeah, because you're outside. Inside, it's it's a horror show. So, what does the yeah. Mulsanne straight button sound like? Yow! Yeah, 917 seriously. down the Mulsanne straight. I don't know. Well, they're going to have to make Great some sort of noise. But, but all the way back to the original Fisker Karma, by the way. Oh, yeah. The original yeah, right, Fisker right, right. Karma made this weird alien robot-sounding chirp below 25 miles an hour. It wasn't required to, but it did. And yeah. a guy that composed some yeah. of our original music early on in the days of the show, he was the composer for that. And think when I say composing, think like uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. That kind of, this is a series of notes that's not really a song, but it's repetitive and it allows it to be iconic. But it he needs composed, to be designed, absolutely. He composed all of the sounds for the Fisker Karma, including its kind of warbly, and I mean that in actually a good way, kind of a warbly robot-sounding noise that it made when it moved along slowly. Clearly, all of the electric cars are going to have to have something like that, which I find fascinating. It's the same kind of sound that makes, well, when my air conditioner unit outside is the, the fan's no longer working and it, it's not spinning, but the electrics are, are going to it. It's got power and it's heating up, and, but the fan's not it's spinning. It's heating up but not cooling it's, down? It's there you go. That's to, a problem. Yeah. Trying to do that. Yeah, that's very interesting. I, I think it's fine, honestly. I think it's uh, probably a good thing. And you know the, uh, the legal and safety team got a hold of that one because oh, yeah, big time. if somebody gets tapped – or nailed by an electric car because mm -hmm. they didn't hear it. They don't hear it. Exactly. There's going to be headlines and blah totally. and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's got to happen. 
I just I think it's a perfect opportunity. I mean, you feel like Corvette V8s this week, and yeah. next week it's all it, you'll turboed be, V6s. You'll be downloading it like a ringtone. Seriously. What do I want my car to sound like today? Craziness, yeah. For sure. Well, guys, welcome back to the podcast. It is Tuesday. We are coming up on the 4th of July week yeah. here in the U.S., and thanks for joining us. We've got a really fun topic Tuesday to talk about, and then we've got a pretty good debate, I think, from Brian G. Yeah. in Arkansas, who has never owned a sports car. Let's solve that, shall we? Other things happening this week. I, we were just talking about it, and you looked at me like I was insane, but I'm not insane. <laughs> this coming Saturday is the premiere of Season 5 of Everyday Driver on cable. So awesome. Be awesome. on the Motor Trend Thrilled. Cable Channel. I'm, I'm going to review this again. I know, I know. Some of you get it, but some of you are still asking questions. And, and by the way, excellent questions because it is confusing. The Velocity Channel is a cable channel. Mm, yes. If yes. you have Velocity Channel, you don't need more because it's become rebranded as the Motor Trend Cable Channel. Same content, now called Motor Trend. This is different than the Motor Trend On Demand app. Correct. Because right. everybody is now owned by the monster conglomerate that is Discovery. Okay? We are independent. I'm, I'm trying to be. I'm trying to walk it's through delicate. this. It's delicate. Well, you're being it's, delicate. It's fine. It's also confusing. Unnecessarily confusing. We Can are you work independent. in somewhere? I, I'll work on it. We are independent producers on the Motor Trend channel. Because they don't own our show, they are scuppered from having us on the app. They are thwarted. Right. There it is. Right. I used it properly, Very good. too. Very good. They don't have it on the app. So you can't get it on demand on the app. You can get it if you've got a DVR, if, you, if you've got like the PlayStation View thing that you can actually watch TV through PlayStation, or even you can do it through Hulu. You can actually get the Motor Trend channel and watch it and DVR it that way. Or you can use your DVR. This is early, early. It's 7.30 Saturday mornings for the next 13 weeks. We've got a bunch of new episodes coming. We're very excited. If you don't have cable... I understand. I get it. I know that it's almost 2020, and many of you don't, and that is fine. <laughs> and for you, it will be on Amazon Prime in about six weeks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're very excited to share this with you. We had a very different yeah. season. It's uh, it's very wide-ranging. Some of the other big seasons time, have been time, good, yeah. but it actually really speaks to the brand in just every episode. But it's also very wide-ranging. Mm -hmm. We've got SUVs. We've got some hot cars. We've got some we're, – we're going flying. We're, we're – Yes. Leaping some trucks. Yes, we get, and it's, yeah. it's Truck great. trucks in the air, which is not a thing I ever expected was going to happen. When the show started, by the way, 10, 12 years ago, which is a frightening <laughs> sentence, if you had told me, let's get airborne at a trophy truck, I'd be like, why would we do that? And now we have, which is great. It's really wonderful. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, thanks for watching that. Thanks for catching that. And uh, like I said, back to the topic Tuesday here. This comes from a couple of questions. It's a two-parter. First mm -hmm. of all, a question from Olin R., who's asked, in what decade do we think we've hit peak car design? Mm, okay. So is it the 30s? Is it the 50s? The 90s? Or is it still to come? Mm. And if so, and what, you know, depending on the decade, what concept car best embodies what we think is the best design for the future? Mm. And that second part here is a question from Michael R., Michael Raymer, who's asking, why don't car companies actually go ahead and reproduce some of the old classics, mm. even though some companies like Nissan did briefly with the 280Z or was it the 240? I can't remember. Well, Jaguar just did it with the E-Type, or is in the process of doing they're, it with the They're e -type. doing it. Yeah. <clears throat> now, there's a bit of a difference between, like, the Mercedes Classic Center. That mm -hmm. is support for mm -hmm. all old Mercedes. Yeah. And then we just yeah, read yeah. that Porsche is now providing a warranty from 1981 for a lot of their cars. And, you know, that kind of thing. It's not mm -hmm. the Classic mm -hmm. Center. I think, Michael, what you mean is... Why not bring back to the general public these cars and they're mm, back mm. in production now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, why doesn't Porsche remake the 997 GT3 or GT2? 
the point here is you're saying the engineering and tooling is already done, but maybe to avoid the current today's safety standards, let's do a low quantity kind of thing. So maybe that would obviously still have to pass federal regulations unless, mm -hmm. to your point, we find a loophole where we can you know, produce something. So let's dive in here. Olin, uh, I really, in, really like your question because there's so much to it. And I'll start off by saying car design from the beginning has always been driven by need, first mm -hmm, of all, mm -hmm, yeah. and then engineering and the taste of the times. And we can yeah. see that over time when yeah, it's, it's very of its period progressed sure. from, yeah. you know, literally the horseless carriage on mm -hmm, up through, mm -hmm. you know, the engineering abilities and the manufacturing abilities through the available technology of the of the times into the Harley Earl era when it started to become a, a tasteful object. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And Michael, that ties into your question that we'll get to in just a little bit. But <clears throat> I would like to start off by saying just recently in the news, you might have read an Italian commercial tribunal in Bologna, Italy, has now declared the Ferrari 250 GTO to be a work of art not to be imitated or reproduced. The car from 1962 to 1964, the one that has sold recently for $48 million, then the others that have sold yeah, 50 to yeah. $70, they are going to be $100 million soon. They're, they're mm -hmm. probably the world's most expensive car. Mm -hmm. And this, uh, Ed Hayes, we saw your question on Facebook as well in, in regards to this. So very interesting that, well, of course, it's Italy, you know, they're... <laughs> our own car, our own Ferrari, yes. our beloved we've, Ferrari. We've decided our own piece product of art. is something that's art. Yeah, Not yours, just ours, yeah. Which I love, and I, I read a quote on uh, one of the news articles. It was, um, I think it was an employee of Ferrari saying, well, this car has just such a long race history and so beautiful and the way it handled and all this stuff. And I'm thinking, well, that was a lot of cars. Jaguar, Aston Martin. Yeah, is there's, there's a few others a on that huge, list. Yeah. I mean, there was a guy named Carroll Shelby that kind of might have a thing to say about that. A couple. He, he'll probably speak up, yeah. Made beautiful things, too. So I think this is actually... You know how everybody has referred to cars as, oh, it's artwork, it's rolling sculpture? I think we're off a cliff now. Now that Italy <laughs> has declared this to be the case, and by the way, they did this so those 250 GTOs couldn't be knocked off because just about every other classic has now been knocked off. You're right. I'm fine with that yeah. because that means the rest of us can potentially afford That's one. That's true. That's very Even true. At the lowest, I mean, there's still some really nice ones yeah. and they go still yeah, too yeah, yeah. far and they're hundred grand, but you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. This mm -hmm. means they're kind of making it accessible, but I don't think it diminishes the the originality or the, the beauty of the first one. Mm -hmm. Take Cobras, for example, mm -hmm. one of the most knocked off cars. And yet you see one, you think, well, that's a cool car. I drive the, I drive yeah. the reproduction. Yeah, yeah. I drive the original. I don't care. They're awesome. Love it. So I think we're in this now headspace that future cars as cars continue to rise in value like the the GTO. Mm -hmm. We're going to see more and more of this. I don't know if uh it'll be a worldwide thing or maybe it's just country by country, but I'm I'm guessing we'll see more and more of this in the future. You think that there's there's going to be like a lot of people doing reproductions? I don't know if it'll be a lot of companies necessarily or countries, but I think specific cars will be eyeballed and thought, "Well, that's a pretty awesome looking car. Maybe we should protect that one so nobody can knock off the Duesenbergs or mm, the, mm. you know, the D-type Jag or whatever yeah. that is. And if it is, you know, maybe just let those respective car companies go ahead and produce their own originals. Or if they mm. want to reintroduce something, yeah, fine. The, the reason I think this doesn't happen, though, Michael, you've asked why doesn't it happen more. The reason it doesn't happen, honestly, is because think of any company selling anything. And I wanna, I'm going to transition to another company in a minute. They don't want you to think about their old product. They only want you to care about their new stuff. 
I mean, if you've ever, if you've ever in your life, and I'm sure you've had this experience, you found a pair of sneakers that you love. They were awesome. They fit your feet perfectly. They were like, I love these shoes. Unless you bought four or five pair at the time, you aren't wearing those sneakers anymore. So you should buy the GTO six pack. Is what you're you absolutely should. You should buy it in, in, in handy in handy twelve packs. The, because <laughs> that means that at it some point, be three of them on the three twelve packs. So. At, su- at some point, that company moved on to sell the new model, and they are no longer making that old shoe. Could they? Yes, but they've decided that they've moved on. This is the same thing, honestly, at a high level that it's happening with cars. They are a moment in time thing, not only because of the design you're talking about, but also because of everything else they're trying to push about, oh, this is our newest, latest, greatest. They don't really want you to look back. There's a weird thing, actually, that's happened with manufacturers when we do these big retrospectives is that there's a little bit of concern from manufacturers that they really don't want their latest version of whatever we're driving to not be as good as the ones prior. They, they don't love right, they don't right. love those generational comparisons because it makes them a little bit concerned about are we going to come out on the end of this where you like the new one the best? What if you like the one from two right. generations back? Right. So this is the reason that those air cooled nine elevens inexplicably actually keep hanging on to a lot of values because people like that stuff but Porsche's not doing it anymore of course they did that one off the Project Gold or whatever and they made one old nine nine three turbo yeah, for ridiculous money one. But and, yeah. and, and Jaguar, who doesn't have any reason for the E-Type to compete with anything else in their product lineup, <laughs> they made, they're going to finish out the, whatever the, the listing of all of the original, um, the original model listings were. I forget how many they had, but they had extras they could do. I forget what it was. Oh, like, uh, like Shelby doing continuation cars, exactly. essentially. So they're original, but they're continuation, and so it continues the VIN. Those kind of things yeah. happen because of the VINs they've already got set up. But I think in general, they don't want you to look back and be like, why don't you make – they want you to be like, oh, the new Nissan Rogue is the greatest <laughs> Nissan ever. It is. Yes. Totally. I need a Sentra. I don't <laughs> want a new nobody. GTR. I need a Sentra. You know, I, I, I hate to pick on Nissan, but they're also an easy target. Back to – do you have a, a decade you think was the best for car design? Because I, I do. I do. Yes, I do. I've also got a list that I've been curating here about the car companies you said – car companies publishing near-term concepts they're thinking about, mm. which is mm. interesting. A lot of car companies are doing this these days. They're publishing the, the near-term things they've already introduced at car shows or some upcoming stuff on their websites. Mm. They're already kind of giving us a taste of here's where things are going because they want to keep customers. They want you to know they're working on stuff in the future. It's not yeah. just yeah. coming from all the automotive news outlets. I think to your point about uh, you know Michael's question, the, the reproductions, it's the tyranny of the new mm-hmm. is the category that we're in. It's, mm, it's what Harley that's Earl good. has now taught all of us that cars are fashion objects. And we want it because it's the newest, latest, greatest. We've gone, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah. in some components, you know, we've gone to torsion beam rear axles in the Mazda 3 and justified <laughs> that. And, yeah. you know, you'd think each subsequent generation of a car would be better and better and refine it. Maybe, but then comes into play the world economics and mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. the companies are doing and you know mergers and acquisitions and all that kind of stuff. So all that stuff comes into play, but ultimately it's like the new Apple Watch. It's mm-hmm. the shiniest, newest, it's the greatest, it's the yeah, upgrade. Yeah, yeah. I want the newest thing because it's, well, it's new. Mm-hmm. That's why it's new. It's different. Yeah, and that's what all the co- companies that sell anything are always obsessed with. You should get our brand new one because follows the marketing speak exactly exactly all right so what was interesting for me is uh the gm motorama show Mm. back in the 50s and 60s Mm. really offered that decade i'll say 55 to 65 okay okay they they were really 
out there. They were experimenting a lot. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like it was just in that era when cars went from just hammered sheet metal fenders and, you mm-hmm. know, you're just enclosing a straight eight with some flat sheet metal panels and flat glass for the windshield. You're now introducing a lot of style that, you know, it, it was the, the Duesenberg era. You, you did have mm-hmm. some nice fenders mm-hmm. and some sculpted hammered sheet metal, but, you know, with the advent of mass production and, you know, since the beginning, really, to push that further and... Mm. and you know, packaging people, packaging engines, trying to make things faster and more efficient and all those kinds of things. But now it went to a fashion object. It yeah, went to, yeah, yeah. wow, this this is actually kind of a, you know, sign of the times, whatever that is. It's a, you know, goes with everything else mm-hmm, in your life. Mm-hmm. And I found the Motorama show to be really intriguing as far as that. I kind of wish some version of that existed, even though that's what mm-hmm. car shows are now today. Yeah, but they're not that singular brand going look at all of our awesome way out there product and as we've talked about before so many of the auto shows now certain automakers just decide to not show up because the cost and benefit to them isn't there so we're, we're really very going true. Full, to the other end of the spectrum now very true so these this list here of companies that i think are putting it out there and then i do owen have an answer to your question i do have a winner i think that mm, is okay. kind okay. of defining where things are going mm. i could be wrong i hope to be wrong i'm just kind of spitballing here, but I'm seeing the trends in the marketplace. First of all, in the pickup trucks category, I'm looking at Rivian because Mm. this is a a new company unencumbered by history, Mm. but they can capitalize on current chassis technologies. Sure. They can buy competitive pickup trucks, cut them up, look at how they're built and then say, all right, we've got the manufacturing techniques. They've got a plan in Indiana Mm -hmm. now and they're, they're really going to push on the whole pickup truck industry. I'm really excited for that. Mm. From a luxury car standpoint, I'm looking at the Mybox 6, the Mercedes Mybox 6 Coupe, huh, okay. and Polestar. I like that Polestar's entire ethos is to be the tip of the spear in terms of mm, incorporating mm. new technology and manufacturing that might trickle down to the rest of Polestar and therefore the rest of Volvo and Geely, for that matter. Mm-hmm. But it is this is what we're leading with. And so the price reflects that in the new Polestar 1, but it's also a lot of carbon and it's a lot of new manufacturing techniques and yeah. uh, not risky things, but things that you wouldn't find on just let's make a car, let's kick it out the door, let's make a profit. <laughs> they're, they're trying stuff. Sure, sure. Which is interesting. Okay. And you'd think from a hypercar standpoint, you might think, you know, Gordon Murray bringing his T50 back or, you know, Lamborghini. No, they're not pushing things. They're just introducing the cool things that, that they know people will buy. Mm. But Koenigsegg inventing on the new Yesco, the light speed transmission, which is essentially actuators yeah. tripping each clutch. Yeah. It's got like seven clutches for nine gears oh, or something like that. That's yeah, interesting. That's, way that's out there. pushing yeah. things. Yeah, big time, big time. Now it's at the high end. It's in the mm-hmm, hypercar mm-hmm. level. But what about accessible sports cars? How about Mazda and Toyota? Okay. I definitely think those two companies are going to be pushing new fun concepts that will be, will be leading the um, <clears throat> versus the inaccessible sports cars like Porsche, BMW, and Audi, mm-hmm. very much so. They're, yeah. We're seeing a lot of good products. BMW's claiming 23 or 25 new mm. products foisted upon the general public. The turnover time has gotten really short is, and massive. Yeah. It has yeah. by, a lo- the, by the design process, more yeah. efficiency. Yeah, yeah. But how about all the rest of them that our cars still kind of work fine. Well, there's that Wait, discussion just happened this week is that the average uh, age of a car on the road right now is 12 years. And I yet, did see that. So, so, the, yeah. so the average length of a car's lifetime on the road is getting longer while the product cycles are getting shorter. 
Isn't that mm-hmm. fascinating? They're working mm-hmm. completely counter to each other. Talk about a shiny object, notice me, notice me. I mean, that's kind of what's happening here with the auto manufacturers. And actually, to, to that question, Olin, I actually thought of a car that I think is doing a great job of representing future design. Hmm. Okay. The BMW i8. That yeah. car is already five, six years old. <laughs> Surprisingly. Think about that. And if you see one right now, it looks modern and futuristic. Today it does. What other car that is a five-year-old design can actually maintain that? That, to me, feels like a design ahead of its time, that we are catching that look. But they're used now, which means they've come down in price Which is bunch. crazy. Which is crazy. But I That's actually exciting. do think every time I see one, you posted it on Instagram today for questions, which I thought was great that you did that, because I actually think that is a design that still looks futuristic and is already five years old. That's hard. Yeah. No kidding. Huh. All right. So, Olin, the winner for me in this category, again, reminding you of the question, what decade, well, what concept car best embodies what we think is the best design for the future? Hmm. It is the Honda Urban EV concept. Oh, okay. I see that. I see that. Now, there's a lot of similar similarities to the Auto Bianchi A112, mm-hmm. a BART or regular, from 1969, as a matter of fact, Petrolicious did a piece on this in January of 2018. It's sort of like the Italians build a Mini Cooper. Yeah, it was yeah, a response yeah. to that car. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's in the Super Mini category, but look at this. Look at this little Honda. Yeah, very clean and simple. It's very friendly looking. Yeah, it's very approachable. Yeah, it's accessible for parking. It's accessible for commuting, mm-hmm. and it kind of looks like it's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. And yet, EV electric. It's the future. It's the future integration of tech. And it's probably, based on your what your eyeballs tell you, it's not an exotic car. It's probably going to be a pretty good price. Mm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's a Honda. Yeah, yeah. I think that sort of thinking is going to pervade where car manufacturers need to go. I like, you know, of course, the luxury market. I, I appreciate mm-hmm. it. There's going to be a lot of that proliferated. But from the cars for the rest of us, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they've really got onto something there. It's mm. just clean, clean and restrained is hard to do, especially for designers. You want to keep sketching. You want to add a mm-hmm. touch here, yeah, a yeah, line yeah. there, a highlight there. You want to keep pushing it. And doesn't mean it got better. It just means there's more stuff. <laughs> it's hard. You to, changed it, but we're not sure you improved it. Really? Yeah. You have to sit on your hands and just, okay, I've got the shape that works. Mm-hmm. What don't I like about it? What do yeah, I like about yeah. it? And where do you stop? Mm-hmm, you know, you mm-hmm. can you can call art. Well, it, it got finished when you stopped painting. Sure. Yeah, I suppose. But with cars and objects, mm. you've got to just restrain yourself. And that is so difficult. Interesting. And it seems like they've done that with the way it will drive mm-hmm. because inherent in the chassis and the size of the car, it seems like, oh, this is going to be perky and fun and seems like a good commuter car. It's going to be easier in the cities. Yeah. yeah really yeah. useful. Good price. I think that's where things are going to be going now. There's going to be a myriad of categories. Mm. Reinvented, you know, BMW exists, right? They're going to be reinventing, redefining, but it does come back to need for, you know, (laughs) companies identifying, you know, the two friends and their dog on a road trip and then the couple with a newborn and, you know, Mm -hmm. beanies for everyone. Yes. Ad nauseum. Yeah. I actually thought about this best decade, and I think I've got one I'm quite proud of that I don't think is going to be surpassed, Olin, honestly, as far as a decade of design. Because in one decade, there is an unbelievable number of cars that are not only beautiful, like beautiful, like stand the test of time beautiful, Hmm. but also they are defining cars for their manufacturers or for their market segments. 
And our, this is our court's going to get a hold of them and, and deem them works of art as well. One of them they, already. They cannot the be 1960s is my decade. Okay. Because, okay. yes, that Ferrari 250 GTO is in the 60s. But think about the other cars in the 60s. I'm going to go to the low hanging fruit okay. of the Jaguar E type. Delicious. Still defining Jaguar. <laughs> and one of the most amazing designs ever. And by the way, just sketched on a piece of paper. Not, there was no, we didn't put it in a wind tunnel. We, we just, I, I think that design would work. The E-Type. But it's then insane. I'll go to other ones that we know about. The Corvette. We did our American original film, all the generations of the Corvette. The 60s encompasses the end of the first gen with the boat tail. Okay. The 63 split window is in the 60s. True. So is the first year, and I would say the best look of the third gen Stingray, all in the 1960s. Very true. Isn't that interesting? The Mini Cooper comes out in the 60s. Yeah. The 911 comes out in the 60s. True. The Lamborghini Miura comes out in the 60s. The GT40, the Mustang, I'm sorry, the 1960s have it. (laughs) The Lincoln Continental Suicide Doors. Yes. The 69 Camaro. Yes. The the Seriously. end the end of the Cadillac tail fin era, even though you could argue it's sure, 58, 59, sure, sure. but it peaked there and then kind of mm-hmm. continued into the 60s. I think the 60s have got the complete merge of we've figured cars out with cars are a fashion item, but they aren't muted yet by technology or safety things that we have to be worried about. So we just we're going to try that look or seat belts or. The you '60s is, has just got yeah. it in design. It just it, yeah. it, it floors me, honestly. Yeah, that interestingly, you can argue that a lot of furniture, uh, Charles and Ray Eames from the '50s and '60s, and and their classic designs. Let's talk about mid-century modern. That was right about the time '50s, early '60s, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. About classic designs that work in any decor. Sure, sure. Coming out of there, I, yeah. There's there's a lot of categories. Yeah. Industrial design for phones and mm-hmm, you know the mm-hmm. proliferation of bakelite as a product to use in design and all these interesting yeah it was it was just really well, open it seemed like it's before things become postmodern postmodern being yeah. self-referential yes okay yes. we're still doing new things we're not referencing old things to make something new absolutely so i just i'm all about the 60s design it just it's awesome absolutely i just i'm curious as to I think there's still a lot of room to run, personally. Oh, for sure. I think there's plenty of... There's plenty of gorgeous cars being made right now. Yes. Yeah, there's just plenty of room and space for future cool designs that you think, Mm -hmm. how come Mm -hmm. that hasn't been thought up yet? Sure. How did it now exist decades later? That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Whatever Mm -hmm. that is. And then, Michael, to finish off your question about companies reproducing these classics, I just don't know that there's money in it. Keep in mind that car companies report to a lot of shareholders... Mm -hmm. And they've got to make money bottom line. And you've got to make a car that will draw people in because even though I'd love to see those classics reproduced, it is considered old news. It's mm-hmm. not the shiny new thing to get new buyers. It's not mm-hmm. like the, the Audi R8 to you wish you could buy an R8 one day, but hey, have, have you checked out the A3? You're right. You're absolutely right. Come on yep. in the door. Yep. Same thing with the i8. Yep. That's why those Halo cars exist and they'll be bought. But. I just I think there's a lot of car companies now doing it better than car companies could ever. Singer 911, Gunter mm. Works. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good point. Good Na- point. You know, name the car company that is now taking those cars. Icon. 
Exactly. Yeah. Jonathan Ward of Icon, taking those and making them better than mm-hmm. they could ever have mm-hmm. been built because of yeah. cost cutting and suppliers and bean counting and all that Eagle stuff. Eagle E-types, which I lust after. Yeah. They, they are just wickedly expensive. Yeah. So does that mean those car companies touch that? Does Ford even invest that money to go back and mm-hmm. produce yeah. some Good point. cool Good point. old Mustangs that, well, you can do that better with yeah. just go shopping at SEMA. Yeah. And you can do it better. <laughs> shopping at SEMA. I can't. Bring a really big need. shopping bag and your patience. <laughs> exactly. the, but the other thing about it, though, is all these car companies ultimately are interested in volume. Absolutely. And going back to the Except classics. Except for BMW, by the way. Is, <laughs> well, but there's a ton of part sharing, and they all have massive <laughs> kidney true. grills. So BMW's making it work one way or another. That's true. We sold 19 of these in that yes. one category. Yes, but they're all using the same Ooh. chassis across four different cars. So they're st- yes. still working. But the thing is, though, if you redo the classics, that is always going to be a niche thing. And I would submit even more niche than selling a modern sports car. Mm -hmm. So what you want to sell, as much as the rest of us are horrified by this, are CUVs because people are buying them. And, oh, wait, you need another Camry? Let's make another one of those. We have to get the volume stuff done so that every now and then we can excuse doing a supposedly new sports car. But don't look at the old sports car. Just look at the new one. Mm Mm-hmm. Hopefully this is interesting. Write to us your topic Tuesdays. We're curious to know more. Summer's here, and with that comes sunshine and blistering hot car interiors. I know that leather seat seemed like a great idea at the time until you scalded your legs. All you need is a custom sunscreen from Covercraft. These foldable sunscreens fit perfectly in the windshield of your car, and they keep your car a lot cooler while you're off enjoying the sunshine or whatever you're doing. I have used these for years, and I'm telling you, I swear by them. These custom sunscreens from Covercraft are available in a whole range of colors, and they're a simple, affordable way for you to keep your car cooler all summer long and protected from damaging UV rays all year long. We swear by our custom sunscreens from Covercraft. It's one of our favorite car accessories. And remember, you can get 10% off your car sunscreen by using the code EVERYDAY right now at Covercraft.com, or you can follow the link from our sponsors page. We all have a lot of to-do lists, and some of them get quite long. You know, drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. Here's an idea, though. Let's add save hundreds of dollars on car insurance to that list. And the good thing is, you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save, you've heard it before, 15% or more on your car insurance. Extra money in your pocket? This just may be the most rewarding to-do thing on your list today. We're often asked how we find the cars we recommend because we do a lot of research for the show. Local or nationwide, our searches start with our friends at Auto Tempest. Instead of searching each car site separately, you can enter your parameters into Auto Tempest one time and search them all at once. You can see results from Cars.com, Cars Direct, eBay, and more, or you can jump to Auto Trader and Car Gurus without entering anything new. You can even search all of Craigslist nationwide. You know how hard it is to search Craigslist all at once? You can with Auto Tempest. Auto Tempest can help you find your next new or used car if there's a dozen in your neighborhood or two in the entire country. Plus, the folks at Auto Tempest actually do listen to this very podcast right along with you, and they're always looking for ways to refine the site to make it better. They already have research tools, buyer and seller guides, and are listening to what features users want. So if we give you drive homework or you're chasing your dream car or you're just looking to feed the disease, autotempest.com is the place to start. Heck, I was honored an hour ago. We've got a cool car debate here from Brian writing to us from Arkansas. He's never owned a sports car, but I love that what he currently owns is entirely due to you, Paul. Did you see this? <laughs> I did. I must explain. Now, Brian has never owned a sports car, as Todd said. The closest thing would be an 04 Civic Si, and he says, um, 
I understand that's the worst SI Honda has ever built. <laughs> I don't know about that, but not it's, sure. not, it's, not the, it's not the love. Let's put it that way. <laughs> He's owned a bunch of trucks, 98 Ford Escort ZX2 and a gnarly puke green, the 04 aforementioned Civic SI, until he found Everyday Driver, and I <clears throat> convinced him he needed a Kia Soul. <laughs> Remember those days, do you? It's the inexplicable <laughs> reasons why Paul just had love for the Kia Soul. I still kind of do. I don't love I the, you the do. second generation or the, the third, the, whatever we're the, on. The first gen was the one that really struck you. Yeah, Just, for sure. So he bought a 2016 Soul, a base with a manual, and hated everything about this but, car. But to defend you, and he actually does this, to defend you, Paul, he realized anytime he got to drive it on a fun road, he actually really liked it. The reason he ended up hating it, and this is that conversation we have a lot, is because he was commuting in stop and go in a manual. Which makes me think any car you bought in manual, I don't you would think have hated. it has anything to do with the Kia Soul at that point because he actually really liked it when he got to drive it for fun. But all of this brings him back to must sell the Kia because, <laughs> and he did. It's useful, he, he sold, fun to drive. Stop, stop. <laughs> it was full of hamsters. There was other things. <laughs> exactly. So he sold that and got a got an automatic Frontier because he just wanted an automatic. But he's realizing now that he's in this Frontier and that's fine for the commuting and all. I really miss having a car that I can drive for fun. So now we have come full circle in Brian's mind to I really want my first sports car. And there's there's budget here. Yeah, lovely budget of thirty to thirty-five K. I'm way limited at two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. No, just kidding. <laughs> All right. Handling is Brian's main concern. He says he wants something elegant for he and his wife for getaways and date nights. Mm-hmm. And they also have like a six year old daughter, so he said a back seat would be good, but not necessary. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The key to date night is that you don't need back seats. That's, I thought that was the whole point of date night. The whole point of date night is yeah. the kids didn't come. Otherwise, right. otherwise, you know what it is? It's the family went to dinner. And that's very different, by the way. <laughs> yes. I, have, exactly. I had a whole two or three year span where I dreaded going out to eat. <laughs> I just I dreaded it because at some point there was going to be a meltdown. And it was either going to be my son or my wife, depending upon who triggered who. I always knew when my parents were having date night because the food that my sister and I were served, oh. it was just boneless, skinless chicken breast with a piece of Velveeta melted on top. It was just chicken and cheese. <laughs> See ya. And I was like, and we'd, the plate would clatter down in front of my sister and I. We'd look up and be like, no, no, come back. To, to this day, if my wife wants to send a shiver down Paul's spine randomly, she, we'll invite him over for dinner. She's like, we're going to have chicken and cheese. You want to come over? And, no. Yeah. yeah. Like, what are you guys going on a date night? Anyway. <laughs> So anyway, so this is a car for date night. I don't know that it needs, as a result, any more than two seats. And what's great is the rest of the cars in his stable are staying. He has a 17 uh, Frontier. He's got the, uh, the 2018 Hyundai Santa Fe, and they've got an old GMC K25, which is pretty cool. Those are all staying. So this is just a fun car. We're talking thirty dollars to $35,000. He said, and I have to go ahead and put this out there. He said he has been lusting, and I'm right there with you, after the Lotus Elise in Krypton Green. That is the eye-searing green. <laughs> Pretty Since cool, he actually. first ever saw one, and his wife has flat out said, I'm never getting in that. That color just works on that car. It really it does. Just and that's works. a hard color. I think on that and also on Lamborghinis, the only place I've seen a, that green sure. that's really, really worked. They're not the same, but they're very similar. A couple of things. Has your wife been in one? That's the first question. Sure. Because sure. my wife wasn't real sure, and now she would like to drive it as much as I do. I mean, she's like, your car sitting in the garage. i got to run errands. I'm taking the Lotus. So she loves it. <laughs> But I, I understand that car is two things. That is really hardcore, 
very bare bones, and it doesn't seem like a safe place to be. I will fully admit that. When you drive that car and you pass an 18-wheeler for the first time, you think, this is a tiny little box. Mm-hmm. I, my, my ankles are out front. I am leading it's with true. my own feet. And it's so like a race that, car in that that's sense. That's something you probably can't get past. So I don't think the Elise works, but that's got you looking at lots of other things and asking us, where should you go? Well, including the 981 Cayman and mm-hmm. the 997. Yeah. He's offered up the new generation Audi TT. And he says, I'm not a big Corvette guy, but I do like the C7s. I think, Brian... Coming to sports car, having a healthy budget, and being a, a driver. You're not a mm-hmm. new driver, let's say. So yeah, yeah, yeah. we're assuming a level of car control. Okay. Hopefully, yes. We're not saying go out and get yourself a Hellcat. No. And leave well, the yellow thing on your front lip. Of- don't do that. Yeah. That's that's the flat brim baseball cap with the stickers right. on it. Don't do that. Right. But but he also is looking for handling, though. That's what I think is interesting. He yep. wants that back road experience more than anything, and I think that really shapes this discussion a lot. Well, he is in the Ozarks at, at you know the just the foot of some great driving roads, apparently. So I do like your first generation nine eight seven Cayman or Boxster idea. Love mm-hmm. it. Yeah. For thirty five thousand, you've got your choice. Mm-hmm. But what I'm looking for for you is a new platform, rear wheel drive, manual, lightweight, lightweight, mm-hmm. but most important, unique. I like it. That's good. That's good. So I found you a 2019 Mazda MX-5 RF Club. I'm so glad you went there. It's on my list too. That's is a, it really? That's a great choice for this. In candy apple fish scale metallic red. <clears throat> I love the red. The red is spectacular on that car. $33,900. Oh, that is tempting. That's a unique I'll say to you, Brian, if you fit, that needs to be near the top of your list. The problem that I have with the RF, which I love otherwise, is the fact that I just don't fit. But, man, that's a nice car. I also found you a 2016 Jaguar F-Type hardtop manual, 18,000 miles for 35K. Oh, man. See, here's my problem. I think you and I may have the exact same list because that's on my list too. I'm going to hope my last choice. In man, you found it for the, oh, that's that is thirty five k eighteen thousand six hundred forty five miles, three hundred thirty five horsepower. The great thing about the F type in this discussion is that is a super classy, let's go out honey car. If you just if you just commuted into the city, you'd be thrilled in that car. But when you get a back road, you're be like, this car's fun to drive. It mm-hmm. does the classy thing so well, and it is great to drive. I mean, you roll up in those things to dinner, you're parked out front. They're really nice. Come on. My third choice here is a year 2000 okay. BMW M Coupe. The shoe. Interesting. Okay. Those are 35K and under, surprisingly. Now, they mm. don't have super low miles, but you might be able to find one. The ones mm, I was finding okay. were right. eh, fifty to 80,000 miles, and they were thirty to 35,000. So that okay. might be All a right. stretch, right. but talk about unique. Mm-hmm. Very different. Very sports car. Still kind of usable. Mm-hmm. Still no back seat, so if you do True. want a back yeah. seat, M240i, but it does kill the date night idea. Yeah, and it also isn't all that unique anymore. Right, I mean, right. That, that looks like another BMW to see a BMW. And it'd be even great. It'd be great. An enthusiast will love driving. Absolutely. For sure, yeah. But those three are on my list. And okay. I, do, I do like the M Coupe, just because it is so it's different. very unique, yeah. Just a dead-on back view of that car is so squatty in the haunches and yeah. the wide yeah, hips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just it looks, looks great. sweet. looks really cool. It's, it looks really I cool. think that car has come back around. Everybody you know, said, oh, it's the camel nose, you know, the Z3, the yeah. droopy nose. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. I think it's looking pretty tight right it's now. It's looking great now. And, of course, the, yeah, those are actually hanging on to value really well, yeah. much better than the ones to follow, for sure. Yeah. I just I think you're going to like the crispiness of everything. And if you find a good one, think about this. There's no tech from that era. You're right. You're right. It's you just, before that, yeah. 
you know, set your phone and you use your phone for navigation mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, put a new stereo in and get a, get a Bluetooth connection. That's yeah, all you totally. have to do. So the instrument totally. panel is devoid of tech. It's just a good point. sports car. Yeah, for sure. For and sure. then it's like bread van in the, in the back, but, <laughs> but miniature, you <laughs> yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. So it's still it's tiny. Great. It's, Gym clothes. Every, can dog. you imagine? We'd all be UPS drivers if we got to drive that. We'd all be UPS drivers. Anyway, <laughs> you imagine? that'd be great. I think you need to drive the C7 and consider it seriously. I, I, mm. I like that you like that. I think if you've never been a Corvette guy, but you like that C7, go drive one and see what you think. I think it's a good candidate. I love your 987 chassis that you talked about, Paul. That is the 05, uh, I'm talking Boxster now specifically, oh, Boxster. 05 okay, yeah. to 2012 or so, 2011. Sure. So, so that, that generation of the, um, yeah, 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 yeah. of the Cayman and Boxster. I actually think the Boxster is the better choice here. I think it is the better date night car, do the you? Boxster. I really okay. do. I, I, I love that. the Cayman. I think the Boxster, you can get a really nice Boxster. Boxster S from that generation, probably get the 09 and up, mm-hmm. so you avoid mm-hmm. any IMS discussions. That's a great car. I think you'd thoroughly enjoy it. You already mentioned the F-Type, you mentioned the RF. I'm going to go one wild card, though. Okay. You'll have lots of budget left over. Oh. I think it is unique. I know it's fun to drive. They just run. They're out there. Look at a Honda S2000. Okay. If this okay. Is, you like the Elise. But you buy can't two get, of them for that. You money. could, but but that's the thing. You can buy a really nice one without a whole lot of miles and a lot of good maintenance for your budget. Have money left over, because you like the Elise, which is a high revving engine. Because you like just the feel of that car. I think the S two thousand is, in many ways, for the same driver that likes the Elise. Mm-hmm, I've always mm-hmm. felt that way about that car. Plus, it's convertible. It's very classy. It's going to run. I think your wife would like being in it. It's a little bit of a wild card because it's older, but I think the S two thousand needs a good look. If you get two of those, just make sure you don't get your initials on one no, car on the license plate. No. Your wife's initials on the other. Blech. Please don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Really hope that's helpful. Thank you for writing in. If you've got your own debate or topic Tuesday, or you just want to drop us a line, love to hear from you. EverydayDriverTV at gmail.com. But in the meantime, we answer social media questions on Mondays and Thursdays when mm-hmm. we record, unless we announce we're recording at a different date, mm-hmm. which, uh, you know, we'll just kind of depends week. on our yeah. travel. So we've put out there social media questions. What's on your mind? And there's a question from Ariopolis here on Instagram saying, if I could redesign the rearview mirror, what would I do? Mm, Historically, the placement has been decided by line of sight, but cameras could eliminate that constraint. Would anything go where the mirror used to be? Well, you could certainly argue that a you know closed circuit camera is there, and actually the Chevrolet Volt and other cars, Bolt, excuse me, the Chevy mm-hmm. Bolt has done that. You can actually switch between the glass and then use just the camera setting yeah. on the mirror, which is a the, little weird. The to flip be switch that you normally use because the guy behind you's got his brights on—it's actually genius. Honestly, I love this. That's cool. When you flip that in the Bolt, and it's actually you can get it in like the Escalade and some of the bigger high-end some uh, others, yeah. products as well. But it's it's very well used in the Bolt. That becomes your rear view camera that is now wider than your rear view mirror would be, and there's none, none of the blocking of the headrest or anything. It is a fantastic view out the back, and it is not some weird Atari-looking screen. It is a great-looking camera image. I use that almost more than the, tr- the other traditional mirror when we had the Bolt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is you. a really easy you. ergonomic thing to looking over because it's not directly in your, your straight-ahead line of sight. But you, so your brain, I feel like, is used to that is a different thing. I'm not looking in the same yeah. place. And I think it, 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 it's good for your brain to have somewhere else look. This is my guess. So I'm sure we could all learn otherwise. But I do love having that camera and that clean view. Well, you're absolutely talking about human factors in design. Mm-hmm. And every driver, unless you're 15 or younger at this very moment, every driver on the road is conditioned to the mm-hmm. rearview mirror being in that place. That's a good point. So if I said, well, let's put it 
you know, pick a different spot. It's yeah. down by your knee, like the sob ignition. I, whatever. <laughs> sob ignitions and mirrors now by your knee. Yeah. <laughs> Let's have you look down away from the road. Perfect. Obviously, what could ideal. possibly go wrong? <laughs> your, your mirror, so you, your eyes just flick. And I, I understand there's short drivers out there who have to actually look up to see out their review mirror and therefore this is not aren't constantly yes, checking it. I, I do understand that this is an issue, but ideally you want that mirror so your eyes just flick back and forth. And all of us drivers at this point are now trained. It's embedded. Mm, good it's point. a habit. Very good point. Yeah. So if it were anywhere else, it'd actually be having to relearn You're right. You're right. everything about your driving, which means safety and productivity and all that kind of stuff. So I say leave it there, mm-hmm. but... You know, we can play with different shapes and sizes and then just the tech behind it. We can actually improve that. And I love the camera idea. But, mm. you know, what I'm seeing on the center screen with uh, switching between different views, that could be as part of the mirror as well. Oh, like the overhead view they're now stitching together mm-hmm. with all the camera. That's, mm-hmm. that's a good idea. Put so let's with use the tech. Yeah. But our eyes still go to the same place to check our surroundings. Mm, that's that's ingrained in us. That's a good one. That's it's been really beat like into us by yeah, driver's you're right. ed. You're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. All right. What else you find? So many great questions here. I'm going to go with – actually, this one's been asked a couple times on Instagram. Wheelman GT, should, why should someone buy a used BMW M4 over a brand-new Mustang GT? He drove them both. He loved them both. But he can't, for the life of him, make, make it make sense financially. I really like the current Mustang GT. Yeah? I think the M4, I've always wished it was a bit better. I have to be honest. But the current Gen M4. Okay. But you are talking about sixes as far as cost. Go buy a used M4, et cetera. One, the biggest thing here is going to be perception. There are a lot of people that would not ever buy a Ford, or to put it another way, would not ever buy a Mustang. So there is that. There's other folks that want to have that BMW, or you mm-hmm, don't mm-hmm. want a big V8 and you and you like turbo power. That M4 has got a very different power delivery than that Mustang sure GT does. It sure because does. of that Turbo 6. Yeah. So these are all reasons. As far as like make it make financial sense, I can't make it make financial sense for you. The Mustang <laughs> GT is a lot of car for the money, yeah. brand new with a warranty. Yeah. That's a genuinely good performance car. Get the performance pack on it. You'd be very happy. This question here from Andrew Horner asking, what do we think will be the last company to offer a manual? Hmm. It's not going to be BMW with the direction they're going. True. They have um, not alienated everybody, but just about. Yeah, yeah. I think it's coming down to Mazda and Toyota, to be honest. I think it's Mazda. It's, it's these yeah. two companies. Yeah. I mean, back and forth kind of depends on the car, but there's actually a company, Andrew, called Zelectrics in California that is retrofitting classics like the Beetle, mm-hmm. the 914, mm-hmm. and others with a, a manual transmission in an electric car. The drivetrain has been completely replaced, and it's also non-destructive either. Hmm. So that 912 is now completely replaced with an electric drivetrain, and they have managed to fit wow. a manual transmission. So you're selecting the gears, and you're, you still get that feeling, but wow. it's all electric. How about something like that? That'd be the best 912 ever, by the way. Yeah. yeah, 912s have inexplicably started to go up, dragged along by the air-cooled Well, it's now, what other Porsche have we not seriously, gotten to seriously. yet? Oh, 912s, you're the unloved the ones. The electric 912s would be turn. actually great. I really do like that. David Best said on Facebook, I just want to acknowledge real quick, you just said you've been listening for a year now, and in the time, we have fully influenced you. You, you bought an 86 chassis. You just participated <laughs> in your first ever autocross. Nice. And you're just glad, if you will, that we've infected you with this disease. Man, I'm thrilled you're with us. 
what I really like about this podcast and many of you guys writing into us, and it happens with the TV show too, but the podcast a lot, is you guys write in and you say, I kind of liked cars and I was looking for something about mm-hmm. cars. Yeah. And something about this podcast, you feel like you've got permission now to really like cars. Please join us. Mm-hmm. Please tell your friends that are on the fence about cars, about this podcast, about this show. Give it a rating and a review. We appreciate it. But David, I'm just I'm thrilled for you, man. I think it's great you got an 86. I love that you're starting to autocross. This is the beginning of a lot of doing this. I think you're only going to like it more. Michael Dutro is asking on Facebook, uh, well, he actually stated that Johnny Ive is leaving Apple to form mm-hmm. his own design mm-hmm. studio. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> of course you saw that. That's part of the rest of his question. <laughs> he said, have I already submitted my portfolio or I'm waiting until the doors actually open? Honestly, I, it sounds intriguing, but I'd rather be doing what Todd and I are doing. Yeah, I'd rather be I doing the show. Yeah. I really would. I, I am excited about the future of the show and I'm excited where things are going. Cool. And it's just... That's where my headspace is at. As much as I want to go back to design and do those kinds of things, it's kind of like you in screenwriting. I think you'll you'll always be a writer. I'll always be a writer for sure. Yeah. But it's the same kind of thing. We love where the show is going. Mm-hmm. Although I also saw Johnny is partnering with Mark Newson, who is his best friend, one of his best friends. I understand. Mm-hmm. And the Wall Street Journal article that I read is also it's they're just going to be fed millions of dollars by Apple to still consult. So I don't know that they're just going to come out with some awesome new thing all of a sudden. They're just they don't want to be part of the the corporate machine anymore and they're just going to you know yeah. get tossed some projects and you know head off into the sunset or something to i don't some know degree, yeah 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 i mean not that their careers are anything over and that's not what i'm saying it's just i think they're just they need something fresh and for me this show has been very fresh coming from design and then mm. you know being able to discuss it mark newson actually designed a car for ford Hmm. 10, 20, 20 really? years ago? Really? It's called the O21C, named okay. after the Pantone orange that it was painted. So look up Mark Newson's car, and of course, it fits in with just about everything he does. Phenomenal designer, as is Johnny Ive. Hmm. But uh, another cool design piece from Mark Newson that put him on the map was a piece of furniture called the Lockheed Lounge. Hmm. It looks like a 50s Beechcraft riveted together. Interesting. Freaking awesome. That's cool. I have to post pictures of those. So that sounds cool. awesome. I love just it. nice piece. So if they do cool new stuff and they get, you know, like Ross Lovegrove and they're just doing one off KEF speakers for half a million or whatever. Because <laughs> you can. Right? Great. But sure. if they start doing cars, <laughs> you I might may, call them. You may have to turn, turn the corner on it. <laughs> I have two different questions that relate to our feature films. First one's from Wyatt on Twitter saying that he loved and he owns our icon film. Thank you, all the BMWs. If we had to choose our top three M3s and can't pick <laughs> the 1M or the M2, what are the next three in the lineup? I actually have mine. It's the E30, the first gen. Yeah. The E46, which is the much beloved one from the early 2000s, and then the E94 door. Those are my three. Those are good choices. Those are delightful. And then I have wrong. I have a follow-up question that is also related to films. And I love I love this question, but I have to unpack it a little bit. I am the problem twenty-eight on Instagram says, is there any way that we would be able to do a big feature film, one of our yearly feature films, make it a road trip film where you and I do something epic. I'm driving a Phaeton and you're driving that Jag uh, XJR. And we just see what happens. Kind of a grand adventure piece. I can't tell you how much I love this idea. <laughs> it's infected I, your brain. <laughs> I really can't tell you how much I love this idea. Here are the problems with it. And since your name is I am the problem, I'll, I'll break it down. Here are the problems with it. The road trip pieces, honestly, don't get watched that much. 
Now, those of you that like them, Pilgrimage and, and Mid-Engines and Mountains, have told us how much you like them, and thank you. And many of you find yes, them to be great. some of the, our, uh, our work that we've done that is your favorite, which I'm thrilled by. Thank you. The truth is we'd probably, if we did a piece like that, we might get 1,000 views. I'm saying, like, people paying for the film, it might might go to 1,000. Yeah. That's really the, the true numbers of it. And we can't make the financials work for something like that for 1,000 people buying the film when it's all said and done. There, It's a lot of work. I love the work. Genuinely love our feature films. I love the work. They are a lot of work. I would love to buy those two cars. But the other problem is to really buy those two cars and play around with them, we'd be spending about 20 grand of the show's money. And the show does not have 20 grand to just go, let's see what happens. I wish we did. The, the, we are continuing to grow, and that's thanks to you guys, but we don't have that ability to do that. I can't tell you. Paul keeps looking at me because I keep bringing this up, <laughs> no. and now you're bringing it up. Oh, man. But I don't think it would be – I just I don't think it would be a much-watched film, but I would love to do it because I think it would be hysterical. Although Thomas G22 says he was thinking about the last episode and we yeah. should purchase one of each, a Fate and, and an XJR, yeah. and then auction them off. We could, so we what could if we bought them? Raffle them. Yeah, I see that. And then shot the film with them yeah. and then auctioned the cars, raffled off the raffle, cars. Raffle them off, yeah. Of those cars in the film, but then you know, yeah, you might get a XJR for twenty bucks, but hey, you got a but fate for twenty bucks. But that it's that in one it's corner in, suspension, the front left, yeah. it went out seven hundred dollars. It's, it's currently sitting us. sitting by the side of the road in Wyoming, and they think they're impounding <laughs> it next week. But it's all yours. I'll give you the keys. The yeah. bumper sticker says this is not an abandoned car. You could have fooled me. Yeah. I, no, I I, I have to say I here. would love to do this. I really really would like to do this, but. <laughs> Uh, and I'd like to pick some crazy fun road trip to do it with just to see what Dang breaks it. and what survives, but it's only money, right? Because, <laughs> I mean, it, they could survive fabulously. They, they could do they might be They might be spot the mini. We might be done and be like, all this does is run. Who wants it? But it also might be <laughs> exactly. this is this is leaking currently in somebody's yard and I don't want to go back. It could be <laughs> that too. Still stranded, as a matter of fact. Can anybody pick us up? Because we're stranded. All right, speaking of picking up cars, Geese1RBM is picking up a new car today. Is it weird to tell the dealer not to wash it because he's <laughs> afraid of them doing it improperly and getting swirl marks in the paint? Not at all. It is not weird. I have heard multiple stories. Mm -hmm. When you take delivery of a car, just strip the white stuff off, the plastic sheeting. Don't do anything. If it's dirty, fine. Mm -hmm. I'll take it from here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfectly fine because dealer prep is a lot of it. They pay people to do this. Yeah, they, yeah. There's a lot of cleaning but it's not their car yeah and sometimes yeah. they haven't been trained properly and ultimately they don't care and speed is of the essence absolutely yeah. yeah yeah so it is not weird at all make sure yeah walk back there be kind of a, a be in their bonnet just kind of if hey if you're paying for it you know yeah. exactly you're bringing yeah. their business and hey i want it just leave it dirty that's perfectly acceptable they're gonna think you're strange but i've heard multiple stories you I've are not alone i've heard it happen as well uh, Lucky Jerk asked on Instagram, he said, okay, power numbers and zero to 60 are really all that the manufacturers are selling. You're right. That is a big discussion. In fact, Jason Camisa talked about how he hasn't liked the fact that that's where it's all. I mean, he's worked on all the magazines, and that's where all the magazines are going. Mm -hmm. The new version of You Name the Car has more power than the last version and is chasing a better zero to 60, especially if we're talking anything even close to a performance car. He said at some point there's diminishing returns. I think we're already there, by the way. 
you don't need a 700 horsepower car. You, you will never use it, okay? But, but he says at some point, that can't be a selling point anymore. So what do we think manufacturers will switch to? And he's hoping it's going to be performance parts like limited slip differentials and brakes and suspension. And unfortunately, there's no way because the average person can't connect with that. We connect I, yeah. with it, yeah, but yeah. the average person can't connect with that. I think the thing they're going to start pushing more is going to be more and more tech. Yeah. Our car yeah. does this thing. The the Mercedes GLS we just drove. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's its whole party piece? That weird suspension. Yeah. Do you need um, honestly back away from all of the hype for a second for both of us? Do you need that suspension? You don't. No. Is it cool? Yes. <laughs> Can you get it on your Escalade? You can't right now. So you go by the GLS. Sure. I think it's this crazy tech of we thought of X and you can't get it anywhere else. And so come over here to get, I mean, let's be honest, at its core, that is really what Tesla is selling. I know they're fast, but ultimately Tesla is selling, we have tech you can't get anywhere else. And we who are obsessed yeah. with our phones and the tech and the new and the, I don't have to do whatever, we're excited. I'm going to tie that tech into experiences because all that tech is going to add up to a particular feeling, to a particular experience that you can't get. Those massaging seats that you turn on with a the peace sign. You make with a, a peace sign yeah, with yeah. your fingers yeah. and you point it at the screen and the cameras overhead see what you're doing and say, ah, that was from the passenger's arm. Therefore, I'm going to do the, <laughs> the massage seats in the passenger seat. And all these little touches are yeah. going to add up to the entire experience of, I don't want to exit the vehicle. I don't want to get out. Mm-hmm. I just like it in here. That's where things are going. <laughs> and everything that it just knows. And I'm sure AI is going to try to... It's our AI is already trying to finish my emails for me. Yes. Have you noticed? Oh, yeah. I've noticed. And I hate it. It's, it's going to invade. I can, I can write. Thank you. Leave me alone. Exactly. If I need you, I will ask. Which is why I turned it off. Because if I need you, I will ask. Yeah. 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 But I'm just saying that, that it's going to add You're up right. to You're a, absolutely right a feeling experience and back to these car companies who are the new mood board is creating an, an internal short film of couple X or friends Y or whatever they are yeah, you're right. on some adventure and they're using the car. Now what's the ideal car for that particular adventure? That's what we're building. That's where things are going. It's and crazy. you come away with a cool experience. We're going to this concert and we're taking our dog. We're going to build cars for concerts and taking dogs. <laughs> I'm telling you. Remember that Honda city car concept that had like a dog, uh, little, I want to say cage, but it was like the little area in the center console oh, yeah. for the dog. <laughs> yeah. And they had this picture. Then one of the promotional pictures was a little dog looking up at the driver. Like, and I was thinking, that's what we need. You put yeah. your purse dog in the dash. You can. Your Sweet. little dog accessory has got a place to live while you're driving along, even though it's not going to say that it's going to be in your lap standing on your shoulder like they all do, which, by the way, you shouldn't do. Uh, you see Shane's question? I, I think did. I have an answer. Oh, do you? Great. He's, he was doing a thorough cleaning, uh, Shane Mulher, doing a thorough cleaning of his family SUV. It is an XC90, and he got to the front wheels and discovered, of course, Front wheels always have more brake dust than rear wheels. Bigger mm-hmm. brakes, taking more of the load, etc. Why was there more on the driver's side? Hmm. Now, barring the fact that you know the passenger side got wet with a puddle and the driver's side didn't, okay. these things happen. Okay. It could be literally how much is that car driven with only a driver in it? Could be. The extra weight on the driver's side theoretically creates a scenario where that brake is working a tiny bit harder than the one on the other side. 
And here I thought Shane was coming hot off a of 200 miles an hour into a corner, hard into a right. And, you know, you see the F1 cars when they hit the brakes, <laughs> yes. the puff of brake dust that comes out from the wheels. I thought that was what he was doing in the Volvo. I don't think so. I, I think that was the different 90. conversation. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I don't think yeah, that's probably really Shane's not. day. That may have been what he did in his Fiesta ST, but I don't think it was in the Probably. Yeah. Probably. Scott Berger asked us, when semis are coming down an on-ramp, do we, A, speed up to give them space, or B, slow down to give them space and flash their lights? I would say, ultimately, the, the thing you want to think about, Scott, is getting away from that semi-truck. Mm. And I do that as a courtesy to the truck driver. And I know that we have many semi-truck drivers listening to the podcast, and hello to all of you. Yeah, big time. Thanks for making our goods move across yeah. the country. <laughs> The Much more than a lot of us actually, even realize, yeah, for sure. It's you guys that are making it happen, to be mm -hmm. honest. Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't want to pace you. I don't want to be behind you. Yeah, I've yeah. always, you've heard my joke about, you know, I could be behind the trailer and have one of those home projectors sitting on my dash <laughs> and just project through the windshield, my favorite movie, onto the back of the white trailer <laughs> truck and just watch my favorite movie. Yeah. And hang like drive on the slipstream. Wait, They'd I'm going 70 that. miles an hour. Love That's that. probably yeah, a bad sure. idea. Yeah. No, I'm I'm saying I see people hanging out next to semi trucks all the time. Get away from those guys. Yeah. Leave them alone. Yeah. Don't pace them. Don't anything. They can't see you in their mirrors. They forget you're there. And then when they start to turn, they're coming mm -hmm. over. And I think it just makes more work. So if you can, it depends where that semi is coming. If you can beat it safely, yeah. accelerate. I agree. I agree. If you can't, let them have the road yeah. and come in real slow behind them and mm -hmm. then just switch into the left lane and get past them. Just the Give them the courtesy. Yes, agreed. Agreed. There's, there's no reason to hang up beside a semi. You and I have talked about this before. I don't understand on a two-lane road the person that takes the next two or three miles to pass a semi. Yes. We're, yes. We're, we're all back here, and you hanging out beside him is doing no one favors. Absolutely. Why? 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 That's, I'm just going to leave it at why with a big ellipse <laughs> behind it because I just don't get it. Scott, there was a safety truck from Samsung that came out a few years ago. It's kind of old now, but the concept was cameras mounted in the front bumper of okay. the tractor trailer up front projecting onto an LCD screen built into the tail, the tailgate of the trailer all the way at the back hmm. because of the problem people trying to pass semis on two-lane roads and pulling out into traffic. Because oh, and now you can they see can't see the oncoming on. traffic. So it's, it's yeah. like you can see through the entire truck. Wow, that's cool. Why hasn't this gone anywhere? Mm, Why mm -hmm, don't... Mm -hmm. Is it cost? Is it simple as that? Mm. Come on. The cameras were low in the bumper on the front I left. I see where you're going. It's, you're seeing through the truck. Projected to a huge screen on the back that everyone can see. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Great there's, idea. There's no excuse if I didn't know anybody was coming. Yeah, you saw through the truck. So find the Samsung safety truck video, and it was 2013 or something like that. It's kind of old now, but brilliant idea. We should do this uh cross shopping jesse's cross shopping on facebook he says comparable cars to the mustang gt350 drive the c7 corvette mm, it's very mm. different but definitely drive that drive the camaro drive the zl1 it has it it is obviously the pepsi and coke uh counter choice it is a sharper chassis but it is a very different personality mm -hmm, so i mm -hmm. think you have to drive both of those as well the vet and that and then any others you want to throw into that list Maybe the BMW M2. It's not mm, as special yeah. as the GT350, but it's in a similar price point, similar yeah. structure. I think you should drive yeah. that one as well. Okay, Kirk Meyer. Thoughts on the new Ford design on the new Puma and Focus. Doesn't like the new grills on them. Too happy and soft. <laughs> well, it's like car manufacturers. Well, Ford, I'm looking at you, putting a bicycle pump in the tailpipe and... 
<laughs> you know, just inflating the car into a I mini like SUV. I like your design. What with about with 50 more PSI? Come on. Yeah, they're, they're a little bubbly. They're a little happy. I, I'm with you. But um, rest assured, there's more of that coming. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Brace yourself. <laughs> Guys, thanks a million for joining us on the podcast and sending us questions. Really appreciate it. And we're definitely looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.